Shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Daytime turns me off and I don't need maybe. Nine to five Welcome to uh, Nocturnal Journal tonight on WGN here in Chicago. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and we're going to do a deep dig. Uh, on the line, we have uh, Paul Rock, director of the Wild Honey Foundation out in Los Angeles. How you doing, Paul? I'm great. I'm great. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Sure. Um, for listeners, we last night we promoted um, A.J. Croce. We've got a tape of him. We're going to play that. That'll be up uh, by tonight, so listeners can hear that on the WGN website. So we're going to... Because of the length of the game, we're going to extend uh, our interview here with Paul. So oh, uh, there's a lot of lot of components I want to get to, Paul. But first of all, let's just tell the listeners, what is the, the Wild Honey Foundation? Well, uh, right now we're a, it's ever-evolving, but we, we do concerts. We produce uh, benefit concerts. That's been our primary thing. But we're branching out to film screenings, and we're going to start webcasting pretty soon from my garage. Mm-hmm. Um we we primarily try to dig into things that we love that maybe are kind of overlooked musically and pop culture wise, and that that's kind of what we concentrate on. Give us some examples. Well, we uh, well we started out as inspired by the Beach Boy record Wild Honey, mm-hmm. so that's where we come from. And so we did a we did a Beach Boys tribute in 1994, where we we had Alex Chilton. And um, we actually to con Brian Wilson into coming down and performing his first solo performance ever. So uh, we were championing the Brian Wilson uh, solo thing for many, many years. So that's kind of the the origins of of where we uh, where we started. What's uh, what? I'm curious. What uh, what songs did Chilton? What did Chilton do? What was the set like? I guess uh, he did two songs. Uh, he did. Oh, Mm. Oh, Solar System, okay. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty deep, deep dive for uh, for Alex that night. But Alex was a, a huge fan, and uh, he did um, his big thrill of the night though was hanging out backstage with Brian Wilson. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually is such a fan that you know, two weeks after the concert, he called me up and said. Paul, that was the best night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he got to hang with Brian for hours, because the show went for four hours, so he was backstage with Brian, uh, you know, catching up. Because he had known Dennis Wilson in the 60s, but always wanted to hang with Brian, but never had gotten the chance. So we we did Alex Chilton in one of his uh, all-time uh, fan moments. So... And uh, you also have done tributes, like um, for some reason the I'm going to be on a road trip starting tomorrow. There's a little record store I always stop at in St. Louis, uh, Euclid Records. I, I wrote down on my mm-hmm. 
note of things to do to get some Hollies vinyl. Um, talk about some of that you've done the Hollies, Elvis Costello. Talk about some of the tribute shows you've done, too. Yeah, well, recently we did the Buffalo Springfield. Um, we did uh, we did a big star show with Chris Damey. We, we, you know, we, we did that big star third thing. We did a co-production with that. Um, we did uh, a Beach Boys show that was just from 1967 to 1977. Oh, really? <laughs> so, and, and we had uh, Brian Wilson's band was heavily involved as well as Al Jardine. Wow. wow. And so that was quite a night because people got to hear stuff that, to me, is kind of the, you know, the the most beautiful stuff. Post Pet Sounds to to love you, and and we did it in exactly the way that people wanted to hear it with all the Brian Wilson bands guys doing the you know the harmonies and and everything else and uh, and Al sings just like it's uh, 1965 still, so it was pretty amazing. Um, and then we did Richie Fury. I was with the uh, uh, did the Buffalo Springfield show, and he did about nine songs. Oh wow! And, uh, wow. and he was pretty stunned by the band. He was when he got there the rehearsal here. It's like, oh my god! It's like uh, we were doing on on the way home in the rehearsal, which is a song he sang by a Neil Young song that he sang. But he'd never done it with with an orchestra and then with a with a horn section ever, and uh, and we, he turned around. He was like with the biggest smile on his face. He couldn't believe this was you know happening. So so he was our best friend after that. So he he did an amazing performance, and uh, we had Garth Hudson play our band show. Oh wow! wow. And uh, that was a trip. Wow. <laughs> Because Garth, man, he just does whatever he wants in terms of, like, you know, soloing and whatever. So Garth did, like, a 20-minute piece. Oh, no, really? <laughs> kind of in the middle, instrumental. That was, you know, kind of the prelude to the to the weight. And, uh, really? Wow. It was kind of amazing. It really, You know, he's still got it. He's in his early 80s, but he can still play, like, you know, there's no tomorrow. And uh, and the, and all the keyboard, I have like eight keyboard players who play in the Wild Honey Orchestra, and, and all they could do is just like stand around and gawk at, at Garth, you know, <laughs> right. during the rehearsals, during the show. Everybody was like, "Oh, Garth! Oh my God, it's Garth! He's here!" You know, so. And uh, that was in two. Go ahead. When was that? Two thousand seventeen. That was in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, the the band show. What's the so. venue like? Uh, we do the Alex Theater in Glendale, which is a pretty amazing place um, in terms of uh, it's kind of the right size. It's 1,400 seats, 1920s movie theater, um, and, they've, and they've got this colossal backstage that, that the city of Glendale put a lot of money into. And so they can, they can actually handle the number of people that we have on our big concerts. So that's that's a big plus for us there because we have like eighty people on stage at some point during wow, the shows. Wow! And so, uh, do you have some coming up? Big um, we are we are just hoping to announce our our twenty twenty big show soon. Okay, there's well, still discussion. We'll be sure to tell our listeners. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it will be a. It will be it, yeah. And we try to, you know, we have a, this Rob Lawfer, who's our our musical director, who's incredible, and he's he did uh, he did Sergeant Pepper with George Martin at the Hollywood Bowl with Cheap Trick. Oh wow! So he 
he was the musical director for that with George. They like did it. They like together. They did it. <laughs> so Rob is an amazing talent. He he puts he puts on an, uh, he he puts in a lot of hours into every show, and uh, so that really has upped our game over the last five or six years. You know, it's it's not just a ragtag bunch of people coming together for one night. It's just like kind of a extended family who love to play with each other and rehearse about maybe. I don't know, 10 or 15 times before the show. So people are ready, and uh, they do an amazing thing. And we did the Kinks uh, uh, this year. That was our two, 2019. We did uh, we did uh, Kinks basically 65 to 68. Yeah, I was going to ask the period. Yeah. With with an emphasis on preservation. Okay, okay. Um, how are the how are the big shows? Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the smaller the, the yeah. backyard movie, which we're going yeah. to talk about. But how are the bigger shows selected? Do you have a, a board? Or um, you pick them? Or, uh, I just <laughs> <laughs> I, I decide what what I decide what I love so much so that I can work on nine months. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> That's pretty much the deciding factor. People always come up with ideas, and they're saying, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that?" And and I go, "Well." I kind of like that, but I don't think I really want to work the next nine months on that idea. And uh, and it's pretty exhaustive, you know, in terms of the way we do it. You know, we go down to every detail. So, you know, if you don't really care about the details in the first place, then I'm not going to do it. So, um so that's kind of that's kind of the ultimate deciding factor. Plus, there's a core of people, you know. I mean, obviously we'll always go back to the Beach Boys because that's you know, kind of my main thing, but um, but we've done a, we've done a whole variety of stuff. So it's, it's always a debate because everybody is who's involved in the, the shows is uh, you know music crazy people. So yeah, right. And obviously, yeah, so so passionate <laughs> about music. Everybody has very strong ideas, and, and as well as I do. So and usually, since I'm the one who puts in. The promotional time and all the other stuff. Then I, 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 I feel like if I can't do it, then we're not going to do it. So, so. And who comes that, to these? Our friend Kerry Baker, who actually hooked us up. You know, he said it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a strong, it's a really large group of like really, really passionate music fans. And is it industry people? Oh yeah. Um, you know, talk about who who comes. Well, yeah, it's 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 a pretty wide variety of people, but but I would say, and a lot of people bring their kids too, you know. So you know, it's it's. I would say that the most of the people are between the ages of forty and sixty five, but but then there's a whole other generation of people who bring their you know their twenty something kids who are into the, the you know the vinyl as they say. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and. Uh, so yeah, and you know, it, it's a lot of music. It's actually a lot of musicians. You know? yeah. I mean, LA has a lot of musicians, and we get most of them to show up for our shows. I think, and producers, and you know, anybody who makes music in Los Angeles, I think, has been to one of our shows. I think we, we end up with. Um, it's usually fourteen hundred people. We sell out pretty much every year. Within ten, ten to fifty tickets, maybe left over every now and then, but generally we sell out. And um, I believe um, 
that Gary Stewart of Rhino was was part of your community, wasn't he? Gary it? was one of our patrons. Yes, we 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 absolutely love Gary. He passed away in April. Um, talk about Gary and uh, just how important he was yeah. in this type of music. This, you know. Well, Gary was Gary and I share a lot of things in common in terms of taste. So we, he was always really crazy about anything we did because it would always strike the same nerve that it struck with us. So. Um, and Gary would, you know, call us up after the show and say, and give us a laundry list of things that he loved and he didn't love. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so Gary was very opinionated, and he would always give us a great, great feedback. Because, you know, Gary was very knowledgeable, and he, he knew all the music that we were doing intimately. And and Gary would routinely, well, if we we did one time we did the Continental Drifters. Oh, I know. Yeah, I did, love those guys. Yeah. Susan yeah, Calso we did two and Vicky. Nights. Yeah, right. Exactly, with Vicky and 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 Susan Kylesill and Peter Holsapple yeah. and and all those guys, and they were all like part of our ensemble, really. You know, mm-hmm. Vicky plays almost every show. Susan steals the show every year. It's you know incredible. Yeah. And anyway, so Gary um, was he, he took a great interest in when we brought all. Ten original Continental Drifters, everybody who'd ever played in the Continental Drifters, we we brought to Los Angeles for 2015 and um, two shows, and we sold out the first show, and we didn't sell out the second show, and Gary was so blown away by the first show, he said, oh, Paul, I'm going to buy out the second show. (laughs) God bless (laughs) him. So he would he would give me like you know three thousand dollars and you know and, <laughs> and you know they're all for the autism think tank and yeah. so it was a good cause and and he he but he just wanted people to be there for the music you know he didn't want this great show to go unseen and and that that was pretty much the story of of Gary you know he if he if he wanted you to hear something he had all the stuff in his trunk. You mentioned and, and he would go ahead. He would give it to you. You mentioned uh, the way you you work on this is your uh, ear and eye for detail. Uh, he did all those box sets. He had that same. Yes. He was a he was a real completist. Uh, talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, we worked with Gary several times um, as co-producers. Um, we did the Big Star Show with him. His with his company, and he he and I worked on that. He he paid for the entire thing. Like, he, he brought out the whole ensemble. He put them up in hotels. He paid for just, you know, like, an incredible amount of money. And um, because Gary had it, and he wanted to spend it on things he loved. And we also did the Everly Brothers show in, in the 90s for his one of his charities. And, um, and so he uh, brought in, like, I don't know, 30 Everly Brothers box sets from Rhino. <laughs> and these were big, like expensive sets, and he gave them to me to to sell. And we actually made more money off the. It was in a small theater, so it wasn't a big like thing. But but we uh, we did more off the box sets than we did off the tickets, even though we sold out. So <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing Gary would do. And and you know he was a great friend of ours and. And um, we we put together a little private uh, tribute concert to him at McCabe's recently, right after his death, and uh, it was very emotional. Everybody really misses Gary. Just 
he's the was the rock of the of the of the Los Angeles music scene just because if you went to a good show you knew Gary was going to be there. He he was always there. So everybody is still I think pretty upset by his suicide. So it was yeah. Not the kind of thing that you expected from Gary, yeah. but yeah. okay. But I think depression is a horrible thing, yeah. and and he never really. I think he he had you know he was he was had he had medication and he had therapy and he had all the other thing, but but he you know that that wasn't enough, I guess. So okay, Paul, we're going to take was, we're going to take a break yeah. here uh, for the news, and then we're going to come back. I want sure. I do want to talk um, about the where the proceeds go on the autism thing. Tank. No, we're going to talk about our little thing we got coming up at the sure. uh, end of the month. which I'm so, excited about. Yeah, so um, I don't want to bury the lead, but I want people to know what you guys are all about, you know. So. Yes. Okay. No, great. So don't go away. We'll be back with uh, more of Paul Rock and uh, the Wild Honey Foundation after this on W. Thank you. I could describe your pants and your shoes from France, but tell me what can be said. About that bang on your head Mmm, it sure is big I dig your wig I dig your wig! Great Ben Vaughn! Uh, how you doing there? You there, Paul? Paul? Paul, I hope there's no more earthquakes in L.A. Paul? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We lost you there. I'm here. You're back. Okay. No. We were playing a little, a little Ben feedback. Vaughn. We were playing a little Ben Vaughn uh, to whet the appetite for the uh, for the. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, Ben and uh, Ben's out. Ben's out and was it? Uh, he's out in the desert sometimes, so <laughs> he probably got a lot more than we did. Yeah, talk about that before we get into our thing. Um, I was before before the show. Listeners will want to know what part of L.A. are, are you in right now. We're in Eagle Rock, which is sort of northeast Los Angeles, near right near Pasadena. So that's where we live. Um, so we're we're about ten miles north of downtown Los Angeles. So, and what was it like? Uh, I've never been in. I've been through a well, lot of things. Well, it's a rolling kind of thing. And my TV was shaking back and forth, and it was kind of rolling. Um, not a pretty mild thing for us in terms of. You know, I was here in the 94 earthquake when the, my bookcase fell on top of me while I was sleeping. Oh, but, my goodness. So, <laughs> so that's a real earthquake, and that, and, I, and I'm sure that's exactly how it felt with, with the people who were out in the desert in the Mojave where the actual earthquake happened. So the farther you are away, the, the, the lesser the, the jolt. So. Uh Talk about actually talk about your path into music. Um, I, I've never I've never met you, but you, we were talking earlier. Yeah. I mean, you did spend some time in Downers Grove in the Chicago area, but but talk about your background. You went to U of I. I went to U of I. Uh, I had a, I had uh, record stores in at, in U of I. I at my post college record store period in the early eighties, where I I we had a. I, I worked at three different record stores in Champaign in the early 80s, one of which I owned, and the other two I was just working at. And uh, kind of at the cusp of all the, you know, the from 1981 to 1985, that was my, that was my beginnings of working in, in music, you know, full-time basis. And then I, I worked with Paul Chastain of Velvet Crush, um, and, uh, and I moved to Los Angeles in 1986 to 
And I worked at Aaron's Records, which was the premier indie record store in Los Angeles. I worked there for 15 years. And uh, that's when I met all the people that we, we do Wild Honey with through through Aaron's. Through Aaron's. So people would come in, I'd buy their used records, and then and I'd sell them indie records, and we'd talk about the Beach Boys, and we then we ended up <laughs> forming this like kind of extended family of uh, music fanatics and, and who, who produce these crazy concerts. How's the record industry now? Are you still involved in it? Uh, no, no. I, I, my my full time job is working as an autism dad at this point. So that's. So that's the other half of the wild honey equation. Is 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 reason we got really heavily into it again, starting in 2013. Okay, we'll talk about um, that. Uh, the proceeds. The yeah, talk yeah. about the autism think tank and talk about your son Jake. Yeah, my son Jake. Um, he was very self injurious and uh, which, <clears throat> which, you know, instead of hurting others, he would hurt himself. And whenever he was in pain or upset, and uh, and he had all kinds of issues uh, that were causing him to do that. And and we sought uh, we sought out help, and we we uh, this neurologist that we were going to said, why don't you try the think tank, autism think tank? I'm the head doctor, and what they do is they. She heads a team of specialists in autism who, you know, do research and are at the cutting edge of treatment in all different areas, like stomach stuff, um, neurology, every every aspect of autism, which is a lot of aspects, and there's uh, it's all phases of your being really, and uh, and so. They do it on an internet teleconference, so you give them your case, and then they look at you and make recommendations. Really? So. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because people, you know, there's a lot of ignorance in, in terms of autism. People don't really understand all the all the all the facets of it, and this gives people an opportunity who would, you know, they instead of their normal pediatrician. So anybody in the country can do this, uh, and uh, and we give all we we've generated over two hundred thousand dollars in scholarships so people can do it for free Good for you. Uh, through our shows. And so you you basically, if you go to your normal pediatrician, you don't get the cutting edge of what's going on in autism. You just get sort of the watered-down, generic, you know, treatment. And so by this, you actually get you get to actually talk to the people who are doing the the research and it's it's since autism has exploded in this country there's a lot of research going on and there's a lot of good research going on and you get access to that and it, it's moving very fast and in, just in the last 5 years it's the whole even the view of autism has changed i mean it's it's now looked at as an autoimmune disease by many people many specialists um, and so the treatments have changed and uh, but we're able to give people access to that through this where you know they can they won't get that if they just go to their normal pediatrician you know so, our show has a wide reach both live and, and through uh, the podcast version how can people if someone's listening how can people find out more about this can you lead people to yeah they can go to the uh, autism think tank nj which is for new jersey dot org and uh and and everything is explained on the website it's very detailed 
and how they, and they can how they can donate, how they can uh, get, you know talk to, to the induction people about getting a conference, and uh, and they can also talk to me um, at, at, at you know Wild Honey Foundation at, at yahoo.com on email and. Uh, and if if they would, and I, and I refer people all the time, and I can also refer them for uh, um, scholarships, so they can they can they can go for free. How's Jake doing? Um, Jake's doing really well, mm-hmm. and a couple of things that that we got through the through our, our neurologist who's involved in the think tank. She she gave us this um, broccoli extract. And people, I tell people this, and they don't believe me. But it's there's actual John Hopkins did a, a credible study about this, and then uh, so basically what we we give him these capsules, um, three a day now, and and since we started that, his self injury has completely stopped. Wow. Yeah, he does not hit himself anymore. He used to come home black and blue from school, uh, terribly. You know, and as early, you know, just before we started this, you know, so he's 15 now, and he, when he was 13, he was doing this, and he was getting big, and we were getting worried. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, yeah. he was going to start, you know, knocking himself out, literally. Well, how does that work? You know, why, why does it work that way with that extra? I mean, what's the... Well, the, 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 the thing is, is like they, the researchers saw that when kids with autism had fevers, like when they were like a like a strong fever when they were fighting off a illness, their behaviors would stop. And they observed oh, really? this. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. And so the basically what they're thinking the thinking is the theory at least is that the immune system was being distracted by fighting off this virus, so it was taking time off from from fighting the the body. You know, like, like you know, just in, in an autoimmune disease, your your immune system is attacking you, basically. Wow. And they they figured that well, it's you know, it's getting. And I'm not sure how the leap of of consciousness went from observing that to figuring out that the 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 way this broccoli extract, which is very concentrated, which is like the equivalent of four pounds of broccoli, <laughs> in one capsule. I mean, well, it's Crucera. It's it's like the active ingredient in broccoli. So, so anyway, so this somehow simulates that that fever effect. Wow. Well, we got to take a and break. It has an effect on the immune system that's when fa- it's done in this quantity. That's really that's that's amazing. Yeah, it, and it doesn't. It's not. It's not lasting. It doesn't cure them. Yeah. yeah. But if you keep it up, it, it, it works for us at least, and. So I can't really say for anybody else, but but it's been observed for other, and the studies were very positive, and 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 but we actually the the company that makes this extract Thorn, they they actually had a production issue and and weren't able to make it for like six weeks, so we didn't have we ran out, wow. <laughs> and we couldn't get it for we we tried a different brand, and. And he started hitting himself again. Oh my goodness! We we had the first tantrum and self injurious tantrum in like a year and a half. Wow. Okay, we got and to take then a we break. got it back. Okay. Yeah. We got to take a break here for some spots. Okay, sure. And we'll come back. So uh, don't go sure. away. This is <laughs> that's what's great about radio. We are really learning a lot of stuff. So don't go away. With Paul Rock of Wild Honey Foundation on WGN. Sure. 
Sid Straw, not the toughest girl in the world. She recorded that um, with the skeletons the first time. Out. Is that uh, that's your dog? It's my dog. Okay. What's, the, what's the dog's name? Bronx. Okay. He's, he's got his own following on Facebook. Oh, he's, okay. <laughs> all right. I just want to make sure there's no more earthquakes. Okay. All right. No, no. He, he he's just barking. At, he barks at everything. Um. So here we are. We're, this has been a fascinating interview, but we haven't talked about the documentary. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that's my problem, so, Paul. I, n- I never well, get around to it. Big subject. We have a lot of stuff, yeah. but uh, yeah, we've been doing the backyard uh, music with films. We've done two others. Which, one, and which ones were those? Third. Which ones were those? What we, were the other two? We did a Jack Nietzsche documentary. Okay. And which was amazingly fascinating. And we actually had a, I, I put together a string combo, and they played a, you know, a forty-five minute set of uh, Jack's, uh, you know, instrumental um, songs. Wow. And that, we did, we did that, and then we did the movie, and then we did a Dennis Hopper movie. Um, and now we're doing the the center of nowhere, Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, movie. and it's going to be at. Uh, I'll be out there 7 p.m. July 27th with uh, Ben Vaughn. We we played some Ben Vaughn there, and with Robbie Folks. Yeah. Uh, so talk about actually, for, even for my own thing, how does how does all this work? I mean, uh, talk about where the venue is at and uh, what goes first. And I think I know you're going to have food. Sure. Yeah, we'll have food. I have this wonderful restaurant. This woman who's who has you know a, a really she's like real close by, and she donates all the food for all our backyard events, and uh, we do Italian food, and it's incredible. And then and then what we do is um, in my backyard is kind of a national uh, a natural amphitheater, mm-hmm. so it goes down to a, a you know a covered uh, deck where the musicians play, and the and the and the movie screen is. And uh, we we put up to a hundred people in my backyard in chairs, and um, it seems to work pretty well. And uh, proceeds uh, go back to uh, the autism think tank. They do, mm-hmm. they do. Um, and so everybody, uh, you know. And also, what we do too is um, when we do just music, and I have someone who's, you know. Uh, since we do so many, I, I, I usually split the proceeds with with the artists. You know, when we do a, like just a concert, like I did Melanie, and uh, did you really? Yeah, and 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 I, I gave her a place to stay and, and and half the proceeds, and it worked out very well. So, um, so we, we we like to compensate the musicians. You know, I mean, and when they do a full concert, you know. Um, and the the movie music thing is a little different because it's, it's not the same. Robbie, but, I know Robbie's going to be excited. He just kind of moved out there, so uh, yeah, we're excited to have him. I think he's, you know, he's, we're always trying to get new people to do our our events, and you know, he's he's definitely on the list. And Carrie Carrie Baker is always talking about Robbie, and and uh, I've, I'm I'm pretty familiar with this stuff, and and I think it's and Ben I go way back with. He actually gave me Alex Chilton's phone number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 1994. 
Yeah, so. that's about the time I did a. Ben and I always talk about that. I did a, a interview. I, I I linked them up together on the phone for the Sun Times, and uh, they talked. It was great. <laughs> ben and Alex, yeah. you know, and Alex could be you know up and down, but it was just it was one of those yeah. interviews where I had them talking together, and I just dropped out. And they just like started yeah. talking to each other. It was it was it was. I love I love both. If, those if Alex liked you, he was very 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 cooperative and and outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't like you, then you weren't going to get anything out of him. Yeah, that's right. Um, Not one word. So uh, how can people, um, and this will be, again, uh, on a podcast, and people can, can hear right. it all over. How can people find out more about going to the movie on the 27th? Well, they can, they can just go to the Wild Honey Foundation page on Facebook, and, uh, and, and they will find, uh, they will find uh, all the information there. And um, also brown paper tickets. Right. Also, if you do a search for the, for Wild Honey, you'll come up with it as well. And I believe we'll put a link uh, to that on on when we post this. Yeah. On, on our on our. And uh, yeah, we since we you know we link the music with the with the film, and so people get a they basically get a forty five minute performance of music to maybe even an hour um, before the movie, and then when the sun goes down, um, then we start start the movie so the music will start at seven and the movie will start at eight i mean we're kindred spirits and that's kind of what our film i mean there's there's this whole scene in springfield uh, missouri and, and that's what lou whitney used to call it the center of nowhere it's a, like robbie says in the film it's a hard place to get to but your your whole your whole dna there's like just paying tribute to some of these i don't want to say forgotten but maybe neglected or overlooked artists i mean you know it's, exactly yeah. Yeah, this is a perfect fit for us. I mean, you know, I mean, we like I mean, the Jack Nietzsche thing was a great example of that. This is, a, you know, um, you know, I, when I was living in the Midwest, we, you know, the, you know, the morales would come into Champagne and um so we would see them there and then we that's how we learned about Springfield. Um my friend uh, Steve Scariano, who you might know, um he he works at uh record store in st louis still uh -huh. but he was one of my partners back in champagne record store oh really so he would he would bring in all the people from down his way to, to come up because he you know he, he grew up in st louis and he lives there now but he lived in champagne for many years and um with us and doing the, the record store at the time so he's the one who introduced me to the to the springfield sound in the early 80s in the couple minutes we have left, um, sure. again, this deals with community and the spirit and what you guys do. Talk. Sid Straw Definitely. is in our doc. I mean, ours was a total DIY doc. It took like seven years, right. and we get, we did a little handheld with her. She was doing a house concert here in Chicago. But talk about what you guys have have done with her. And the, I'm just knocked out by the response. I mean, I know you're. I mean, yes. I, keep, I keep an eye on it. But the, in one day, you raised seventeen thousand out of a twenty-five thousand. Yes. I know it's exceeded that. So talk uh, about Sid's situation. And what, how you stepped up to help her? Well, Sid's you know been a great you know contributor to all our shows, and she she always knocks it, knocks it out of the park at, at the big shows, and and she particularly was amazing at the Beach Boy show when she did a Dennis Wilson solos uh, number. And anyway, so Sid, you know, Sid is is an artist who you know needs 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 help. You know, she's. It's very difficult to make a living as a musician these days, and and she inherited a home from her um, her father, who was an actor, Jack, Jack Straw. Straw. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but of course, it's not always the best thing to inherit a home. <laughs> 
seem like a really good thing, but in this case, the home is uh, was always in bad shape from the day she got it, and then and then it got f- frozen out and flooded this past winter, and it was completely like uninhabitable. It's like she can't even go in there without getting sick, and uh, so and she also got her lost her vehicle as well, and so so she's basically been when she's not been sleeping on other people's couches, she's been sleeping on her porch in a tent yeah. um, in Vermont. And so uh, we, and Sid, we love Sid, and we've been very close with Sid. And so we decided to get it. I got friends in Vermont. I got them to go find out exactly what she needed. We itemized it all, and we put it up on a GoFundMe. And uh, and the the response has been amazing because everybody who makes a comment and people can go there and look at these comments and they're just beautiful. And, you know, Dave Alvin goes, you know, why else am I on this earth? You know, if I can't help you, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and, um, she's, you know, done many duets with Dave and they, they're long time friends. And, yeah. um, and Dave where's and it at now? It's, well. over, it's over $30,000, right? Yeah. We're at 30, like one and a half. And, and we've also had some outside donations for uh, house concerts. Good for you. So Good we're even you. we're a little higher than that even, and so we're going to be able to do what we need to do. And uh, but every everybody has expressed so much love for Sid, and you know you don't always get that. You know, I mean, even if people do, they don't get the chance to express that. You know, and I think that's really been the most heartwarming thing about this is that everybody has been, you know, you know, giving their Sid moment on the on the page when they after they give their donation about how she changed their life or how how lovely she was to them, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> so it's just like it's basically been her George Bailey moment. Oh, good. And uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm really pleased. I was. I personally was a little leery about doing it just because, you know, how, how are we going to do? I didn't know, yeah. you know, because well, we needed a lot of money. Yeah. And I was like, sometimes it's hard to get money like that. And um, but not with Sid. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> people, thanks so people much. Love her. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us tonight and doing oh, a, sure. a little bit My of an pleasure. extended interview. We got in a lot of stuff, but that uh, autism yes. stuff is just fascinating. I, I really hope we can help some people out who heard that tonight. So yes, and you know, I encourage everybody mm-hmm. to to contact me, find me on Facebook if they have a child who's having issues with, you know, self injury. I get a lot of people who contact me because we have a lot of luck. And you know, Jake's on Facebook. I, I you know, I you know, Jake, okay. I, okay. I, I, I keep. I keep a diary of okay. his stuff there. All right. So, Thanks, Paul. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye.